of the spheres podcast this is sabrina monarch and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution i'm an evolutionary astrologer a clairvoyant and a thought leader and i started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development as i sit down to record the intro to this recent conversation i had with tylan mckenzie it is a new moon in cancer today And I hope that you all are feeling good. Um, It's definitely been an emotional cancer season. And with the sun and cancer opposing the Capricorn planets. And I feel like this has also been an invitation to find what truly nourishes us. Um, I've been getting deeper into like Joe Dispenza's work and thinking about like rewiring my brain and doing different things to find personal mastery in very hyper stimulating and you know chaotic or crisis ridden times such as the ones that we're in now and i think that it's important more so than ever to really have a strong relationship with our body and our nervous system and our emotional sovereignty so that aside um i had a really fun conversation with tylan And Tylan is an astrologer and she has a way of journeying with the archetypes. So she gets these transmissions and she has this very intimate relationship with her craft in that way. We discussed the asteroid goddesses. So that is Pallas, Athena, Juno, Vesta, and Ceres. If you are into astrology, and you likely are if you listen to this podcast, even though not every single episode of this podcast is about astrology, but these archetypes are very relevant in chart reading if you include the asteroids and not, you know, so many, there's so many different kinds of astrology and so many different astrology practices. So not everyone includes the asteroids or focuses on them. However, if they have called to you or it's something that you're interested in, it's like adding more planets into our relationship with astrology. So we have like Venus and what Venus archetypally correlates with. And then we have these extra archetypes, these extra asteroids that we can bring in. And like Thailand points out in this podcast episode, the asteroid goddesses are goddesses. They're specifically feminine archetypes. And so they bring in some more explicitly feminine mythology into one's astrology practice. And if you are listening to this episode without the framework of, you know, analyzing your own chart, though you can always look up on astro.com where these asteroids are in your chart and start to reflect on that um, or do research on it. But let's say that you're not thinking about this from the context of astrology. You can think about it from the um, context of different personality types and different personality constellations. Um, I recently learned about the like God and goddess archetypes in a psychology class. And so it had nothing to do with astrology. It was like, 
learning about these different archetypes. And the more that you learn about them, the more that you can recognize these myths constellating in yourself and in people around you, like, whoa, that person is so running like Pallas Athena energy. You can just feel it. So it's definitely enhancing in terms of understanding the human condition and patterns in human experience to look into these archetypal stories. Something also really cool about this episode is that Thailand has written poems about all of these archetypes that we discussed, um, which I think is such a cool way to show reverence to these beings, these archetypes, um, and be in dialogue with them. And hey guys, if you have been listening to this podcast for a little bit, you probably know that I'm running a Kickstarter campaign right now to fund a year ahead of Astrology Forecast and Magic of the Spheres podcast episodes. So this is a one-time pledge. It's not a monthly subscription or anything like that. It's a one-time donation to support a year ahead. And if you know how Kickstarter works, there's these different pledging or backing tiers and you get different rewards for those different tiers. So I'm offering astrology downloadables, which are super detailed. One of them is an aspects to Pluto audio. So I'm going through all the different um, planetary combinations of Pluto and how that can show up in a natal chart, a person's experience. I am sharing astrology readings and discounted tuition to two of my upcoming courses and online presence as performance art class and an evolutionary astrology intensive. These are all like really amazing opportunities. The online presence is performance art class is a chance to get really deep into re-enchanting the internet. And at the same time, also working through some of your deeper fears and hesitations about having an online presence, because that is very much part of the process. And if you have a reason to exist publicly on the internet, such as if you're an entrepreneur or a coach or an astrologer or a visionary or an artist or any combination of these things and your marketing or your attraction of clients comes through the internet, then learning how to really inhabit this space in an empowered and fun and magical way will do so much, not just for your business, but can even call in new friends and colleagues. I have countless friends that I have met online or as a result of having an online presence. And I want that for you too. And so many of us carry so much baggage around what we think the internet is and our fears around it. And this class is to really open up a process of developing a whole new and more life-enhancing relationship with the internet. It will be both a spiritual, mystical exploration and a very tactical, pragmatic exploration of how to be strategic online. The Evolutionary Astrology course is a four-month experience, and it has run five times. This is the sixth run of the course. Um, There's a lot of student testimonials that you can tune into on the course page, which will be linked in the show notes. Um, This has been a really high-impact course. It's changed people's lives. It's a launching point to have a deeper relationship with astrology and with your natal chart for the rest of your life. So there's so much good stuff to get into. I'm going to leave the link to the Kickstarter and the courses in the show notes, please check that out. There are only nine days left to support the campaign. And so whatever you donate, you can even name your own price is super helpful. And as someone who self-publishes, I enjoy a lot of liberties. I get to say what I want. (laughs) I get to 
really use my own voice and not have it diluted in any way by like a company or an editor. And it also is a lot of work. And it also means that I'm not receiving a paycheck from a kind of company or um, agent or something like that. I don't think agents pay writers, but whatever. (laughs) I'm not getting a paycheck from a company. I don't have an employer in that way. And yet I also have like a pretty sizable audience and a lot of people who benefit from my work. So this has been a ask to those of you who do benefit and find value from this work to help crowdfund it kind of like you would public radio. Okay. And a little bit more about Thailand before we begin. Thailand McKenzie is a Reiki master, astrologer, and a modern-day vision singer, working with multiple levels of consciousness in a trance state for soul, power, animal retrievals. She uses the birth chart from Western astrology with whole sign house system as a reference point for the soul, shining light on your natural talents as well as areas of tension that can be catalyzed into your greatest motivation for high productivity. She works with the pendulum and the Celtic shaman card deck to communicate with the spirit world for further guidance. Every full rebuild soul trust session will come with a birth chart analysis and thought provoking questions to continue the soul's healing. She also offers many spiritual sessions, which include long distance Reiki healing and card readings, as well as astrology readings focused on the four main astrid goddesses, which leads us into our conversation today. Welcome, Thailand, to Magic of the Spears. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So I want to start out by asking you about your spiritual path. And I'm aware that you have these spiritual gifts, you know, from having gotten a reading with you as well, and just the way that you channel. So I'm curious how you first realized that you have this ability and what the path was of cultivating it. Yes. So my spiritual path really started because I was in a very difficult time of my life. I was in a toxic, extremely abusive relationship and I needed healing. And I kept getting this hint of like, go to massage school, go to massage school. And so I did. And massage was the catalyst, the doorway that opened me up to spirituality. From there, I learned about crystals and working with their energy. I learned about aromatherapy and utilizing that. I learned about Reiki. And as soon as I learned about Reiki, I thought I had stumbled across magic, literally. I was like, I need to be attuned to this and to practice this this form of energy healing because it just lit me up as soon as I heard about it. But it took me a little bit before I actually got attuned. And it's a whole process. I'm at level three right now, which is a Reiki master. So I can't attune other people, but it is so beautiful. It's a practice I come back to every day. Reiki means that we access universal life force energy. And so it's not my energy at all that I'm using. I'm just channeling this energy and I use it on myself every day with a daily Reiki practice. And that's been a huge part of my spiritual journey. Also yoga, because massage is very physically taxing, I would practice yoga every day, twice a day still. It's something that has been my spiritual foundation. And eventually I would love to become a yoga teacher that is on my list. 
And then I stumbled across astrology actually in a really funny way. So (laughs) I was doing massage and I just decided like, it's time for me to finally own my own massage therapy business. I just had a feeling and I was just drawn to it and so I just started to I decided to open up my own my own massage business in Rochester, Minnesota, which is where I was living at the time. And when I went to check out the room that I was going to rent, it was filled with junk, up to the ceiling filled with junk, but I noticed one thing in the room and that was a statue of Thoth. And so I just pointed it out to my landlord, Amy. I was like, that's beautiful. Like, Thoth. And I don't even know how I knew that that was Thoth. Maybe just something I learned in my early years. But I did know that he was the god of writing, which is something that I love to do. I've always been a writer and a poet. But I learned that he is also the god of magic and the god of astrology. So he... It was so funny because it was almost like she initiated me into astrology without her even knowing that that is what she was doing. Because from that point on, I just, I was obsessed with learning the language of astrology and self-studying and taking courses and, and just really immersing myself. And then I also studied shamanism, which was something that I had on my mind for a while too. And I just never like felt it was right until one time I was just, I need to get a session first. I need to get a shamanic session before I actually go and try to get any training to do this on other people. Even though in my heart, I knew this is what I meant to do. I know I'm meant to be a shaman. I just decided to go and just get a session. And again, I was still living in Rochester, Minnesota, and I found a woman named Diane at Heritage Farm. She's still there. She's amazing. If you're in that area, check her out. She she just blew my mind in that whole session. I retrieved my power animal of the bat, which was the medicine that I needed at that time. And she also showed me me and this circle of women dancing and just in this like ceremony together in the jungle. And it was emotional for me hearing that because at that point I was a business owner, very isolated in cold Minnesota, uh, not really having a, a community of, of fellow women that were interested in spirituality. So that really just got me very emotional. And then at the end, she was like, I'm teaching, actually. I'm going to be teaching in the next couple of months. So if you want to join the course, like, hey, here's the invitation. And I'm like, spirit is so funny in that way, just giving you confirmations like, yes, you're on the right path. And so I did her course and it was... It, it was like I wasn't actually learning. It was like I was remembering from from a previous past lives. And it was so funny in that course, there was an odd number of people. So I was always partnered up with Diane <laughs> and she really helped me to strengthen my gifts of what I was, what the visions that I was experiencing. Because for anyone that is listening and that has never had experience going into this trance-like state, it it allows for the imagery and the and the experiences that that you're seeing in that state to be so vivid that it's undeniable like you're literally you're living out these things that you're seeing so she really gave me the confirmation that 
what I was seeing was valid and that I that really it's so important to trust the messages that would come through. And from there, I just have been building my spiritual practice. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something that I really pick up from you and how you practice astrology is that you're combining your knowledge of the archetypes with like your visionary states, like you tune into the transits, you tune into people's um, charts and you get these images. Um, And I also feel like you have a lot of cosmic optimism. Like you seem um, to be like really excited about exploring these archetypes and have this um, trust in yourself. It feels like to really go into them and experience them and Um, I think that that definitely takes like courage to go into those states and just the sense that I get from you is like all this enthusiasm about it, which I just really appreciate about you. Um, So I'm curious like how you have experienced astrology with this extra lens um, of shamanic journeying and how, um, yeah, how those combine for you. Well, it's so interesting because it's like I'm literally building an intimate relationship with each of these cosmic bodies. Like they're Mm -hmm. each their own energy. They're very different in their frequencies. And so I obviously have archetypes that I'm more connected to and that I get information from more easily. Like obviously Thoth is deep. We're deeply connected. Mercury is in my first house. And so it's like, I feel like I get a lot of information from Mercury. And then recently the goddesses, the asteroid goddesses, I've been building a deeper connection with them. And the imagery that they show me is (laughs) it's just so fun. And I can't, there's no other way for me to describe it than that because I just go into this state and I never know what's going to happen. I never know what they're going to show me. So I'm just like on this journey. It's literally a journey. That's why they call it shamanic journey. You don't know what's going to happen. Like for instance, when Vesta moved into cancer, she showed me women gathering together and they they took off their clothes and they were just dancing around this fire together and there was no like sexual energy in this situation it was more of a just deep appreciation for our bodies and women of all types of color all skin color just dancing around this fire and deep appreciation and love and at home and it's so it's so funny because she has a lot of symbology with the hearth fire and with ceremony. And I just thought that was so beautiful. But I've seen so many things from spirit. And and yeah, I, I don't have any other way to describe it other than it's just it's a beautiful, wondrous experience and a, a lens that, you know, for anyone listening that I encourage for people to to try out for themselves. All you need is a drum beat. Like that's it. You just need a drum beat and just lie there. Just close your eyes and see see what comes up. See what messages want to come through. Or you can do sometimes I will invoke the energy. I'll say, like for that instance I just described, I invoked Vesta. I said, Vesta, please show me, you know, what this transit means for you. You know, and she gave me that imagery. 
Yeah, I so when I first was learning astrology formally after being like a hobbyist for years, but after first having a teacher and I learned the planets and out to the outer planets, um, my way of working with the asteroids was just kind of being curious about them and being like, oh, I want to befriend them. And I also had like both an excitement about it and like a slight bit of caution because I knew that if I um, befriend them that I'm going to experience them. So I would want to know what they're about. And like, is that a kind of energy that I'm ready for? Or like want to experience. Um, and so one by one, I feel like I kind of got through like the main asteroids, um, or, you know, had them call out to me at different times. And, um, I actually do like a similar prayer sometimes when I'm like about to prepare clients chart or, um, like, prepare a forecast if I'm not getting the downloads right away. Cause they just, I think my container and like the ritual setting of doing this over and over again, like the container creates that portal, but I'll say like infinite spirit, please open the way for healing information for this person or for the collective right now. Um, so those prayers can be like a really big launch point to get information. Um, I'm really curious what your experience is with the asteroids and just to get your perspective um, of what you've learned from them and your visions. Yes. So the asteroids have been coming through because right now we're going through a huge shift in the collective. Everyone is feeling it. And for me personally, it feels as if the patriarchy is falling and, and a part of that is integrating the divine feminine with the divine masculine to create more of a balance. And I feel like working with these asteroid goddesses, that's what they're showing me. They're showing me that this, this intertwining of both energies coming together to create something so beautiful because in traditional astrology, there's really only two feminine archetypes, Venus and the moon. And some people say Saturn sometimes has a correlation to feminine, which I can see because my vision of Capricorn, I see Capricorn as this, this old sage, wise woman, like just very carefully walking up the mountain one step at a time. But traditionally, I mean, Saturn is more masculine. So the asteroid goddesses have really opened up this whole portal for me to, to accept my own divine feminine and to see myself in different aspects. And especially I've been really connecting with Payless Athene because she is conjunct Saturn in my 12th house right on top of my ascendant. So I, I feel like I, I definitely embody a lot of her, of her archetypal energy, but but all of the asteroid goddesses, I, I I love working with them and learning more about them. And I actually wrote poems for each of the goddesses to connect deeper because poetry is just one of my my art forms. So I would love to just break down each of the goddesses and just yeah. start from there. So let's uh, let's actually start with Ceres because Ceres was. She was the first asteroid that that was found and the largest asteroid. And she represents growth. I mean, she was the goddess of agriculture, right? So the poem that I have, and when I when I read the poem, if the listeners, if you just want to close your eyes and just feel into her energy and what is coming up for you as I'm reading the words. 
So Ceres, earth goddess of agility and fertility. She nurtures us, growing food from the soil. A fierce mother, always loyal. Her rage ran to a boil when Pluto kidnapped her daughter. Her fire never ran hotter. She searched the earth with blazing torches, yet never entered where fire scorches. Despite the degradation, Persephone went through the alchemy of transformation. Hermes was sent to retrieve her and relieve her of being in the underworlds all year long. She rejoiced in song when she was able to return to her mother. Yet because Ceres was thought to smother, Persephone came to enjoy the arrangement and accept the engagement. Ceres embodied Sorry, Ceres embodies how we handle grief and the nourishment we need to turn a new leaf. To turn a new leaf. Through unconditional love for ourselves, she highlights where we may feel attached or latched onto a certain paradigm, which she shatters throughout time. So we may know loss and then be renewed. Through this connection has been skewed. She also is the keeper of blood mysteries, menstruation, and birthing histories. Her magic is intertwined in transformation, digestive alteration. So that series, mm-hmm. she, uh, it's so interesting because series for me and my natal chart is in Pisces in my first house, conjunct Mercury and the black moon lilith so for me i i feel as if words have always been a source of the way that i nurture through language and and feeling that nurturance through language itself right so it's a it's both it's and and i love that she she embodies how we unconditionally love ourselves Like, what do we need to unconditionally love ourselves and to have full self-acceptance and full self-worth? And I also love her occult connection to these blood mysteries, you know, using menstruation blood in the soil and the earth and her connection to plants because, right, she is this goddess, this earth goddess. So she has plants that obviously there are plants on the earth that can bring us to these psychedelic states. So she has a connection that way. So yeah, that's series. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. I really um, appreciate the rhyme as a way of kind of like getting into another state too. And that you include the dimension of series of like the smothering part and that kind of like, being pulled into the underworld, but it's kind of a refuge from that overprotection, um, I think adds this really interesting complexity to the myth and the ways that you can see it play out in people's lives of like um, being maybe in an overprotective family and being really drawn to like someone who's kind of like underworldly as a way to like be, you know, taken away and like taken away from the family. Um, and that dynamic constellates. Um, in people's lives, and you can often see series implicated. Yeah, I feel like 
in life, we we need these experiences where we have loss and where we have grief and where we have abandonment and where we have those darker themes come through because then you come out of that on the other side in a, in a different state, in a state that is more holistic and whole. And it's, I mean, it's sort of the same journey that I went through, like, being in an abusive relationship and then coming out of that and like owning my own healing abilities and my own healing power, my own nurturing power. And series to me just I I I do I I did want to include that bit about the smothering, but she also within that it's like how does she, how can she move on from the loss of her daughter and fully love herself? And she embodies that for for all of us as well. And yes, so that's series. And just to note too, she has the, just so you can see her play out, she's Taurus, obviously, which is earth and food. And you'll see her oftentimes with the sickle for, you know, to denote her connection to agriculture. So obviously Taurus. And then she has the, um, the Scorpio, Scorpio, that Scorpio Taurus polarity going on actually, um, because of that connection that she has, uh, to that under that underworldly sort of, sort of energy that she has going on. So, Hmm. Can feel that, yeah. So, anything else about series that I want to come through? Hmm. We should move on to Payless because I just love Payless. I love her so much. <laughs> she's, uh, it's so, Payless to me, she's very multi dimensional and everything that she's, she's into because she's, this warrior goddess, but she also embodies healing and like political activism all at the same time. So she's this like really multidimensional goddess. And so for Palis Athene, I wrote protectress of justice and mercy, exuding compassion for the curse we might experience in times of war within her lore we find she carries the head of Medusa, guarding the wisdom of regeneration, advancing the intellect of our civilization. Jupiter's kin dressed in goat skin, accompanied by an owl and a snake. Her goddess origins point to Libyan roots. She teaches us how to settle disputes with peace and how to release our creativity masterfully with a skillful dedication. She guides our progressive elevation of honoring both the masculine and the feminine. She is the warrior queen, and she will not hesitate to intervene in the process of rectification. She embodies the filtration of wisdom as the keeper of blood magic. Out of the tragic, she gives birth to the great oracle. Her impact is historical. She gives us creative intelligence, healing abilities, and activism facilities. She weaves the webs of patterns, highlighting Saturn's role in conceptualizing purpose. She is a woman in a man's world, hurled into battle, leading the charge to victory, conserving her vitality with her sexuality, placing her force in her career. 
She teaches how to triumph over fear. Courage is a feminine quality. All that we know about the visual arts is from her doing. She starts revolutions, reveals any illusions. With science of clear defiance from laws she doesn't believe are right, she will always fight for justice. Our self-healing is revealing her role in our perception as she guides us into hypnosis, visualization, and meditation. Her highest dedication means embodying wisdom, healing, artistry, and activism. Mm. So that's Palis Athene. Wow, I love that. Um, I don't know if I've heard of her associated with activism before. That's interesting. Yeah, Athena had been a really important archetype for me when I was first learning astrology as well in terms of like getting into this mindset that anytime there was a issue or a problem that there could be some kind of creative solution. Um, I think that she just is so inventive when it comes to like figuring out how to have a strategy in anything um, and tapping into her, um, tapping into that frequency, um, becoming more strategic can be like a way of reaching any goal that you set your mind on. Yes. She shows up for me that exact same way. This embodiment of yeah, she weaves the web of patterns. And so she can show us how to create the best strategy. And I, sorry, I want to go back to series because I wanted to know where she is right now. And I want to make a note about where Palis Athene is right now because she's retrograde in Capricorn. And series is just went retrograde in Pisces. And I did a meditation and series showed me a really interesting thing. She showed me water being poured into a funnel. And so it was this, it was this feeling of like being able to put all of our emotions of grief, of sadness, of loss, of anything, anger, anything we're feeling and just letting it like funnel into this cube-like container. And then it froze and it became this like compacted ice cube. So she was showing us, she was showing me how right now it's the time where we're processing everything and we're actually letting it compact. Compact was a word she was telling me a lot. Compact everything that we're feeling into one little cube so we can utilize that cube once she goes into Aquarius because she's retrograde. So she's going to be moving into Aquarius. So we can use that cube all these lessons that we've learned, everything that we processed emotionally as a tool to the, for the collective, like sharing all these lessons that, that we've learned. I thought that was really an interesting thing. So sidetracking. But yeah, Palis Athene, and now she's also retrograde in Capricorn, which is so funny because of all the other planets we have retrograde in Capricorn right now. Pluto, Jupiter, <laughs> Saturn, so much is happening around the structure of, of society. And what she showed me was that <laughs> it was really interesting. She showed me she was knitting and like creating a pattern with a scarf because she is an artistry goddess. And also that 
she's really with the scientist of the world right now. She's like, she was just, she, she just kept telling me scientists, like she's really with the scientist of the world right now to create new systems, new technology for the structure. Because yes, she is going to be moving Ooh, back into Aquarius. Ah, I'm getting like <laughs> chills in my crown right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's Palis Athene. She's so, so powerful. And I just feel like I really have a deep bond with her. And I think it's because she's right on my ascendant. But <laughs> that's Palis Athene. And she is, uh, it's interesting because she has Leo, which is that artistry, that more of like that fun side. Uh, Aquarius, which is that like very inventive, like going into the patterns, and then Libra, which is about like using the balancing mm. scales and balancing mm. and like really all about equality and liberation. And like she literally does, she starts revolutions. And I could feel her when she went retrograde in Capricorn, like it's on, like we're this is a revolution, we're changing the structure of society and abolishing racism. Like that should have been something that should have been abolished years ago. But she's coming around with her fierceness, her warrior queen self, like, we're gonna get this handled right now. And I can just feel her activism energy, but also she's there to help people recognize their creative intelligence and to create art. You know, that's, that's her specialty. And I love her connection to hypnosis, which is something I feel so called to study. I really, that's on my list because I did an Akashic record reading and she told me that one of my soul's purposes in this lifetime is basically to take people into a state of hypnosis and heal their relationships with their planets and their natal chart. So that's something that has been on my heart to, to do. And I'm really interested in uh, quantum healing hypnosis, the technique by Dolores Cannon. So that'll be eventually in my future because that's the thing with Aquarius. Um, Palis Athene is an Aquarius, which creates this very futuristic perception that I have. So I can sort of see into the f little bits into the future or create oh, my natal in my natal chart. Yeah. She's an Aquarius. So it, so yeah, for anyone listening, if you have Palis Athene and Aquarius in your natal chart, it creates this ability to perceive reality with a very futuristic sense because that's what Aquarius is all about. So I can sense that that's, something that I will be accomplishing in my lifetime and studying. But it's, I mean, it's still something I feel like I have a little bit of fear around because I, I have mastered healing the body with massage and I've mastered healing the energetic body with Reiki and I've mastered going into soul healing with shamanism. But hypnosis is the mind and like there's so many things within the mind that we hide from our own selves because the mind is protecting itself so I, there's so many things that i'm still like oh i just need to like conquer this fear and i can feel palis athene and another goddess i work with sekhmet an egyptian lioness goddess she's helping me work through this fear so eventually that'll be something that i accomplish 
Well, but, I hear the Aries in that a lot because Aries loves to conquer, loves the conquest. And that, <laughs> yes. uh, yes. also, I think like the mind, um, the, in esoteric astrology, Mer- Mercury is the esoteric ruler of Aries. And I've heard that that has to do with um, kind of like once you've conquered these external adventures out in the world, like what's left to conquer is the mind. And like the mind is this, um, I think of it as kind of like the codes behind the scene, like a, a panel or like, you know, like it's running thoughts that manifest into feelings and those feelings manifest into actions. And uh, these thoughts that we have are very powerful. So when we learn how to shift our own thinking, like that's a major, that's a frontier. So that's what that made me think of. Yes, I I've dipped my toe in esoteric astrology and it's something that I really would love to study more. I my eyes open that much about it. <laughs> yeah, I know very little, but my eyes just opened wide when I heard about how Taurus it's uh so it's Taurus obviously the ruler of Taurus is Venus, but in esoteric astrology it's this this like it's a planet that isn't we can't see uh, the planet Vulcan and it, it Vulcan was the, the blacksmith to the gods. And I love that this ability that Taurus has, it can see that we're because it works with form. It works with raw materials. So in esoteric astrology, I learned that Taurus has the ability in its highest form to see that everything is all divine light and it's in its actual truest form but that's just a little tidbit but that's something I also am like I want to learn more about it that's the thing like with being so connected to Mercury I'm just so curious I always have this desire to learn and my my love Josh he's always he's always calling me a nerd he's like you nerd you're like always studying but that's just it's my thing I always love to just be in that space of curiosity and playfulness and Mercury has that quality of playfulness with the curiosity. So, yeah. (laughs) So, um, we have Vesta and who else? Vesta and Juno. Okay. So let's do Vesta. Uh, Vesta is currently in cancer right now. Let me find the poem I have for Vesta. And she, she's really interesting because she has some dual mythology around who she was before the patriarchy versus who she became after the patriarchy. So let me find her poem here. So Vesta, the high priestess, the keeper of the sacred flame. Her highest aim is to offer hospitality with her hearth fire while raising levels of consciousness higher with her pure devotion. When the patriarchy set in motion, she became known as the virgin, declared sin on her sacred sex rites, and her symbology rose to new heights for she belongs to no man. Yet she holds the keys to regenerative fertility in her hand. She is the brightest asteroid shining, eternal, the gatekeeper of ceremony, holds the space for ritual, pinpointing our focus, transforming sexual energy, creating synergy of liberation through expressing 
our frustration, alienation, fears, or denial around sharing bodies because Vesta reminds us we are whole within ourselves. We can be self-reliant and integrate discipline with dedication. (laughs) With the purification, she opens up our third eye. We sacrifice to make it by, but this goddess brings us back to center for illumination to enter. Uh, I love Vesta. I have her tattooed like basically over my head. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Where's Vesta Vesta at for you? Uh, She's conjunct my Jupiter in Virgo. Yes, that's right. Yes, and Jupiter, Pisces rising. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I just that I got the tattoo idea that day, and Jupiter, or I mean, Vesta and Chiron were conjunct. My Chiron's in Leo, so I connect that to the heart. But I got the idea that morning and asked myself, like, should I get this tattoo? And then I felt like all this tingly excitement through my whole body. So I was like, well, I guess I should. So <laughs> I found an artist like that day, and it was my most spontaneous tattoo but um I really love Vesta because I feel like she she's a priestess and she holds sacred space and there's different versions of the myth that you know she's either virginal or like highly sexual and doing like sex magic but either way she's in touch with her own channel to the divine um so I think that as an energy she has this kind of glow about her um where she's like she's content she's inviolable like nothing like when she's like in her fortress like it's an inner sanctum um and then when it comes to sharing that space with others um when she chooses basically she's channeling that whole like divine connection that she has Yes that is so so Vesta and I I do. I love that ability that she has this this connection to the sacred flame, even though the signs she's associated with Virgo and Scorpio are not fire signs, but it's this this holding the flame as a hearth fire to create this this feeling of hospitality, like this welcoming into the, that sacred space and then holding that as a container for people to experience these third eye opening just activations because that's what she does. She is she is a goddess that will, if you work with her, she will open your third eye wide up because that is just who she who she is and she'll also make you look at your relationship with your sexuality because of that duality that she has before before the patriarchy set in motion as i say in the poem she was a goddess that represented these sacred these sacred vestals they were called which which men would go to the temples and these women would perform sacred sex rites and i learned that when a baby was born from the vestal they were considered like royalty they would grow up in the house of royalty but then once the patriarchy set in these vestals were condemned to death if they practice their sacred sex rites. So she has this 
duality of being liberated through sexuality versus denying and repressing and even hating your own body for your sexual needs. So she, if you work with her, for anyone listening, she will force you to look at your relationship with your sexuality. And then also, how can we transmute sexual energy? How can we use sexual energy to open up these gateways in our chakras and and utilize it to to transmute maybe anger or sadness? And and she holds that she holds those keys. So I love Vesta reminding us to be whole within ourselves. I even see like circumstantially that duality between kind of like sex on like it's, there's none of it. Like it's bad, it's wrong versus like her being the sex priestess as like people who have this. And this was something that I picked up from Demetra George um, where she was talking about how Vesta can relate to these past life memories that we have of like totally ecstatic sexual experiences. And so then in this lifetime, we're just like, not really like, unless it's amazing, we're just not really interested (laughs) is like the way that she puts it. (laughs) So I can see like sometimes with people with a strong Vesta, it's like they have this like very potent kind of connection to sexuality, but unless it's amazing, like they just well, they'll be fine going through like periods of like celibacy in between these like very ecstatic, like transformative sexual relationships. Yes. And also with Vesta, it's coming back to me, the reading I gave you, because I give so many, sometimes it gets all jumbled, but I remember speaking to creating a ritual around your own pleasure practices literally a ritual i ran away with that yeah (laughs) can i follow up with you about that because i made a podcast about it yes (laughs) that's i listened to that podcast and i was like yes i love all of this i'm here for it Yeah, no, for anyone listening, I made this um, podcast episode about starting like a daily self-pleasure practice because I had a few different people tell me they're like, you should self-pleasure every day um, through like different Oracle kind of readings. And I was like, this is, and it was in a short period of time. So (laughs) I went for it. And not that I didn't have a self-pleasure practice before, but the commitment to doing it every day was new. Um, So yeah, that's on the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> just continually oversharing here. <laughs> well, it's so important that we talk about these things and we release the shame around it. And that's what working with Vesta will do. She'll release the shame around your connection to your sexuality and even creating rituals around anything. I did a session for someone and spoke directly with Vesta for her. And Vesta showed me um, a teacup and creating a ritual around if she's going to be working on a certain project or doing something like something else, she needs to have a cup of tea and then create a ritual around it. So it's almost like a way of time blocking. I always have a cup of tea when I'm doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) So messed up. I just like lifted up my cup. 
Yeah, it was cool. Actually, like um, in one of the meditations I had during that like initial period of the daily self-pleasure practice, because Jupiter and Vesta are conjunct in my natal chart, it was actually when I was 12 at my first Jupiter return that I started to run all of this sexual energy. And it was a really difficult experience for me because I didn't um, have anyone to play it out with. And so I like felt like pent up about it or like all this shame, like, why am I running all this energy, but I'm not able to like do anything with anyone about it. Um, And I actually like had a vision in a self-pleasure practice of like, it just came to me. It wasn't one that I conjured up or like created. It was like a full download, but I went through like a starry curtain and had a different Jupiter return, like first Jupiter return experience where I was able to actually like have like a priestess initiation at that age that I feel like I wanted. But in this social context, it's like 12 year olds can't do that, you know, but that's like at that age, what I wanted. Well, I mean, to our biology speaking in that sense, it's a hundred percent normal. And that's something that, you know, I, I speak to because it's so important that we release the shame around it and that it's normalized. And, you know, I was just talking to my sister about this because she has my little niece, Julia, and teaching her about the chakras at a really young age is something that I was speaking with her about. And a part of our chakras, it's the sacral, the sacral chakra, which is connected to sexuality, but also creativity and pleasure. And just, and just like making it something that's totally normalized and that, and that there's no shame or denial or repression around because when we continue to repress things, that's when, that's 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 when the trouble happens, right? <laughs> when we continue to repress what our heart is just so desiring to to experience. But totally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah, Vesta. Okay. Yes, I love Vesta too. <laughs> She's also an Aquarius for me as well. So I <laughs> I love the, and Vesta, she's going to be moving into uh, Leo up soon here in August. So I'm excited to see what she shows me in that process because Leo is so fiery and so courageous and like all about exploration of that energy. So I'm excited to see what she shows me. Let me pull up my poem for Juno now. So Juno, the queen of the heavens, Hera, Juno, we know to symbolize the unification of masculine and feminine energy. Consummation creates her imagery, royalty, with a peacock feather and a diadem on her head. She can be considered a goddess of the dead with the pomegranate symbology. Her story captures heartbreaking mythology. For being the goddess known as the wife, she suffered in chastity and rage for some of her life. When her husband Zeus would spread his seed, she would lead revenge on his lovers and yet remain faithful. No matter how many tears she cried, she is still worshipped as the perfect bride. 
She would retreat in solitude to process how horrible and rude her husband treated her, destroying her early cults. She teaches us sacrifice and power dynamics and intimate relationships, for she stands for equality as the protectress of the powerless and gifts us the capacity for commitment, alchemical commencement of marriage. She holds the keys to tantric magical sex practices, the initiation of childbirth. Her name even means earth, a triple moon goddess, showing us social etiquette, virtue, and union. So that's Juno. Her energy, as you can see, is, I feel like a little bit more heavier than the other asteroid goddesses just for, because of how much suffering she she dealt with. But that's Juno. Suffering from being like continually cheated on and just like... The rage. Yeah, and then coming back into solitude and like retreating because she was in such a rage and and just having her early goddess cults. I mean, you can see again this this before the patriarchy set in motion, the matriarchal differences that, and so she was grieving about that, him just taking away her early cults. In the early days, she was worshipped as a cow-eyed goddess in like the age of Taurus, they say. And she has correlation to being a triple moon goddess, which basically correlates the notion to the the maiden, the mother, and the crone energy all in one archetype, which is interesting because I I feel like that symbology is also in the, the goddess Hecate as well, which is interesting because she's also known as Hera, Hera Hecate, kind of very similar energy. But yeah, I just, I feel like her energy, there is there is heaviness because she's, continuing to remain faithful and to symbolize what it means to sacrifice, to even be in a relationship in the first place and what those sacrifices mean and also power dynamics within your relationship. So she could, if she's having your charge, she could, she could symbolize like giving away all of your power to be in a relationship or being able to utilize the equality because she stands for equality. She is a protectress of people that are victimized, of people that have experienced rape and crime and all of that. She is the goddess that that stands that stands for that. Mm. So I really feel Juno as this archetype um like relating to a love of monogamy and like wanting commitment and really like identifying with that role of being wife, um, being partner, if uh, we take it out of the gender, but um, the whole like lifestyle that goes along with being a partner and the identity of that. Um, I've also seen her associated just like in natal charts with soul contracts and like the nature at which um, we enter soul contracts or the energy of types of people that we're deeply attracted to and beyond significant others in the 
the primary sense of what we associate that with of like a romantic partner. Um, but anyone that you have like a karmic kismet connection with. That's so interesting because my Juno is in cancer and my partner, my love, his, his son and his Mercury, they're both in cancer. So, and my Mars is also in cancer. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it really was a karmic connection. Like we talk about this in our second episode of our podcast, where we both were gifted this turquoise piece of jewelry from our ancestry, like the month before we met. And we were both like, whoa. That's so concerning (laughs) too. Like, yeah, (laughs) the family heirloom. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> That's so true. It really and then this uh this emotional closeness and this for me with Juno and Cancer, like I really crave that like intimacy with touch in a relationship and and eating just quality food together. Like that's mm-hmm. one of our favorite things. We just have a conversation over food and just bond in that way. Aww, but Juno <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it's so it's it's really interesting to like see how your Juno placement plays up within your intimate relationships and also, you know, look to your Juno to see like what is it that you're really needing in an intimate relationship like because mine is in Cancer, I've had to tell Josh, which he already understands being a son in Mercury Cancer. Like it's so important that I get daily touch and like just that nurturing, that quality and it's so important to when you're in an intimate relationship to to basically come together and be like these are these are things that are really important to me to have in our in our bond together, in our life together, and to set that up as, like you said, a contract, a contract of these things in the intimate relationship, which is so Juno, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Wow, it's been really fun to hear your perspectives um, on these goddesses and also really beautiful that you've written poems. I feel like that must have been such a way of connecting with them. It's always my way of just connecting with anything. I mean, like if I want to express, I just write a poem about it. (laughs) Well, it's interesting. I wonder if you have some asteroid things going on in your chart around like poet muses or something, but I really feel... um, So like in Cosmos and Psyche by Rick Tarnas, he has um, this idea, the parable of the two suitors, which is basically like who gets to know the universe? Is it the person that thinks the universe is disenchanted and um, they're just the only reason they want to understand reality is so that they can exploit the resources and have mastery and, you know, conquer it basically, or... Um, do we want to understand the universe because we see it as this enchanted being more intelligent um, than us, you know, either as intelligent, if not more intelligent than us, and um, that we want to understand her to have this like um, increased like intellectual union and like this collaborative connection and like that if we approach the cosmos and even approach astrology practice with this sense of reverence and like writing poems and like honoring 
that the universe, those planets will interact with us differently, that we are always in relationship with the planets. And that's reflected in the ways that we experience them or even cognize them, like the stories that we have of them. So I think that the personal practice of tuning in and being open to receiving information directly from the planets is like literally like what I encourage my astrology students to do. Because I think that that's like the the way to have a personal astrology practice. Um, So it's always really beautiful to tune in with that transmission and channel coming through people because you get um, a very fresh narrative of those myths because they're channeled through a new channel. It's not just uh, research that's been collected, um, but it is like a transmission basically. It totally is for me, like you said, a transmission, because when I look at someone's birth chart, I'm just meditating on it. But then when I'm writing my analysis, it's almost like those because I work with him very intimately. He comes through and he he basically channels like what he wants to write out. And so I think it's so funny, like your experience with what I said in multiple oracles said that that was directly from spirit and like a message for you. So I, I love putting myself in that state where I'm just the channel. I'm just facilitating the healing. And I'm just, you know, because then when you're in that state, it's not draining for you. You're just holding the space. And yes, connecting with the universe in that way is totally me. I'm just like wonder, like magical, magic in my eyes, like looking around, finding the magic and the synchronicities. And that's when you know your life is in flow, when you have just different synchronicities come up and it's like you can't ignore it. And it's too... And it's, and it's too funny to just not ignore it or to ignore because it just is right in your face what spirit is trying to communicate to you. And it's, it's truly magical having that perspective and relationship with the cosmos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, how can people find and work with you and like what kinds of offerings do you have? Yes. So people can find me on Instagram at Tylen McKenzie. That's T-Y-L-Y-N-N-M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E on Instagram. And I have a website called rebuildsoultrust.square.site. And I named my business Rebuild Soul Trust because that is my mission for humanity to really assist in this process of rebuilding trust with all aspects of the soul, even the aspects that can feel really difficult. But it's so funny when I do my sessions, I I feel like I'm just holding up the mirror for people to like really look at themselves. And I never tell people things that they don't already on a soul level know, but it's just coming back to that awareness of, oh my gosh, that that's me. And that's a pattern that that is reoccurring or that I've had. And then I'm empowered to go ahead and and actually work with that energy and utilize it to its highest frequency. So I blend Reiki, which is energy healing, and then I do astrology. I write out a full analysis for people to keep because astrology is just such a complex language that I like to make it tangible for people to come back to. And I include 
questions directly from spirit for people to journal on and work with. So that's included in the reading. And then I also do a shamanic technique where I'll go on a journey beforehand and I never know what's going to come through. Most of the time they show me past lives that people have had or power animals, which your power animal is so magical. I like, I still have not seen your power animal with anyone else. Um, but it's just, it's really fun. So that's, that's what I do. And I recently started offering sessions that are directly related just to the asteroid goddess. So just to the asteroid goddesses. So just doing readings, just to see where they're at in your chart. So Yes, I would love to connect with you. And I also have a podcast too. I have a podcast with my love who I mentioned, Joshua Bohr. And you can find our vlogs. We do vlogs together at Joshua uh, Joshua Young Vlogs. So you can connect with me and just catch up and see some of my life, our journey to California and all of that through the vlogs. And our podcast is called Change for the Zest. So we like to keep it zesty. <laughs> Oh, that all sounds so great. And I had such a good experience getting a reading from you. Like it really moved a lot. And I feel like that's um, so like Mercury in the first house as well. Just like um, I picked this up from like Jason Hawley, but he talks about Mercury has a way of keeping the story going. And so when we get information, it just catalyzes shift. And you did say things to me that were really deeply familiar. And yet not things that I had put into language for a while. Um, maybe they had kind of like receded far back in my awareness and then getting them like uh, brought back to the front of my awareness allowed me to interact with them again and have like so many shifts and changes in my life. Um, so I just was totally enlivened by that reading with you and also re-inspired in my own craft of being an astrologer and like really feeling, cause we do similar thing of tuning into the chart before the reading and the depth that you went into before the reading, like really re-inspired me for my own practice of doing that for other people. So I would I recommend getting you- a reading. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I loved giving you that reading. You're actually the first astrologer that I've ever read for. So I was so, so excited to get your feedback after the session. And just hearing, hearing the impact that it made just makes my heart so warm. And I'm so grateful that, that we connected through the wonderful world of the internet. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Well, thank you, Thailand. It's been really awesome to talk with you about the asteroid goddesses. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so grateful. And yes, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope that this helped you develop or deepen your connection to these asteroid goddesses and these archetypes. Let us know what you think. If you see this post, if you see this podcast posted on social media, uh, let us know what you thought about the episode and tag us both so we can see it. And if you are catching this close to the episode's release, 
Uh, do check out that Kickstarter page linked in the show notes um, for so many different rewards and the opportunity to show your support for the sixth year of content creation from the Astrology Forecast and more recently, the Magic of the Spheres podcast. I really, truly appreciate it. And I hope that you have a beautiful week. Thank you.